Well, good evening, Redeemer City Church. We're obviously recording this a little bit earlier because it's so bright, but you're going to watch this in the dark probably. And uh, to our friends who, who might watch this on YouTube or listen to the podcast, uh, if you have stumbled across this, uh, my name is Mitch. I have the joy of being one of the pastors at Redeemer City Church in Tampa, Florida. And it is my joy and privilege to have one of my good friends, Zach Elliott, with me to chat today, and this is originally being recorded for a meetup that we do online for Redeemer during the coronavirus pandemic, and uh, we're going to have a great conversation, but Zach is a really good friend. He leads a ministry called V3. Zach, why don't you give us the 30-second spiel on V3 before we jump in? Yeah, well, thanks. I love hanging out with you, and I think this is a great space for us, not just now during Corona, but uh, always, as you were saying, just more conversation is good. So good job doing it. V3 is, the idea is super simple. We want to see the gospel continue to move throughout the world. And so our ministry is really focused on the advancement of the gospel, sharing what we say is the life and beauty of the gospel with the world. And there's some essential ways that we feel like that need that that are required for that to continue to happen. We've got to be in culture, and we've got to continue to contribute to culture and help shape culture. At the same time, we have to prepare leaders and invest in leaders who are going to be helping to shape culture. And and we need to care for our church. The local church is essential to the movement of the gospel. So V3 kind of makes investment in all three of those so that the gospel can continue to bear fruit in the world. Awesome. Awesome. And full disclosure, Redeemer City is a B3 church, and so uh, we're all in on that idea of uh, peace and shalom and wholeness and drawing near to the broken, celebrating the good, participating in the future. Those are those are values for us as they are for V3. And so uh, Zach coaches our pastors and on a weekly basis, and so we were having a conversation, Zach, about uh, just the coronavirus, the pandemic, uh, what we're doing as pastors, how we're thinking about that. And you used a phrase, and it's really what I want to chat about with you today, that has really stuck with me for a couple days. And uh, in fact, I haven't told you this, but it's going to be our our Easter series and four weeks past that. So we're going to take some, some real time uh in our online gatherings over the next few weeks to really think about this idea that that you really brought up. And and it's this for the people watching. It's this pandemic and this quarantine and all of those things have really brought us back to this idea of thinking about what is essential. Do you want to elaborate on that? What, what, when you said that to me, what were the things that you were that you were having in mind when you said that? Yeah. Well, I think that the there's no we, we don't hope for a pandemic. This is you know God did not do this um, in the sense that it's He desires to cause people death or harm, uh, and so I just want to be clear about that. But He will use disruption. And he, there is an allowing for disruption. And we see in the early church persecution, and we see opposition. And, and through all of that, the essential thing, the essentials of 
the king of God um, actually were refined in those times. Yeah. And that's what I was getting at, is that in our culture, especially in the West, and I'll just be, I get to be a guest on your show, <laughs> and say stuff that gets me fired. But it, it's good for us. It's good for the church, even, yeah. to not assume that everything that we're doing is essential to our being in Christ. And I think that that, that tension between being and doing, mm. that razor-thin edge is really the essential thing, is probably right on that razor-thin edge, because there are things that we do from our being that are essential. We're essentially called to do some things, but they flow from our being. And if our doings kind of sweep over and, and tsunami our being, then what happens is we find out we're doing a lot of non-essential things mm. that are actually maybe a rip current to who we are called to be. And therefore, we're doing things that really, when they're pruned away and we've got space, we go, was that contributing to who God's called us to be uh, and, and who he's created and called us to be in the world. And I think I'll, I'll just say this quickly. I think for me personally, coronavirus disruption has pretty well laid bare the things that I was doing that were not producing fruit. Uh, they were not essential. We quickly realized they can go, and there's there's margin for other things. And I think that's a healthy conversation right now for the church to be having and to be brave enough to say it and to have no fear and to have no ego attached to stuff that we stood up maybe for a decade that maybe was essential, was good, but now it's not. Yeah. And for us to carry those things into the future would be foolish when, when the landscape has changed. So I think it's a good moment for us to say, what are the essential things to being who who God's created us to be? Yeah. And what are the essential things to being the church that God's called into existence in the world? That's really good. You know, I think that falls into two categories in my mind when I hear it, and it is the being and the doing. Um, the being, to me, feels theological, and the doing feels practical. That And one flows out of the other. And I think a lot of times, even in my own life, even believing theologically that I am who God says I am, and everything flows out of that, there is a really uh, ruthless tendency in my own heart, in my own mind, really what the Bible would call my flesh, to reverse that order and do because it's the thing that I can see and feel instead of being. Why do you think that's so hard for us? Yeah, it's such a good question. I mean, Mary and Martha's conversation, you know, with Jesus, it's it's been there. It's there for every every one of us in every culture and context. I think for us in our culture and context, you know, we're we we're raised, we're nurtured, being measured, right? From you know how much how much does your baby weigh? You know, is that a good birth weight or a not good? Birth? Oh, yeah. you're a fat, 
were a fat baby. You were a skinny baby. You were that. Like it starts in the womb, and then we measure milestones. We measure development. We measure everything. And our culture is a performance culture, yeah. and we have, we have performance leadership. We have you know that's the culture that we are immersed in, and to try to to try to be in a space where, like you said, theologically, I am who he says I am. And what I do is actually joyful with freedom, just the outpouring of who he's created me to be. That kind of safety and inclusion and rest, like that's a new creation orientation mm. to say, I don't have to earn it. I don't have to. I don't have to fight for it. It's not a scarcity thing. It is like mm. you exist in relationship with a God who provides and is sovereign and sends rain here and there, and so you can, from that space, discover who you are, and then release the gifts and the the fruits of who you are into the world for God's glory and for His good and for the good of the world. That's a different paradigm from from having to earn your space on the kickball team, earn your place in the play, earn your first job, hockey. And so to rest and to rest to release one and to find rest in this other posture, that's a lifelong work. And yeah. I don't think we've given attention probably in our discipleship. Um, in our spiritual formation, we have tended towards uh, the immediacy of activating the doing in alignment with the being rather than trusting the process and saying, no, if we give attention to the being and then we trust the process that God will animate the doing, that something greater will come. I think we've tended for the sake of immediacy um, and Stats, results, it's easier to scale out here mm. to do it. Maybe that's what. So we've been steeped in it, and then it, it, it provides an immediate feedback loop for us to say we're doing a good job because I can measure how much I've activated people's doing. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. You know, uh, one of the things I think about from Scripture is in John fifteen five, right, where, or really really all of John 15, and it, and it talks about, you know, abide in me and I in you, and then you'll bear much fruit. Um, so it's not that they are enemies of each other. Um, Jesus is for fruit, right? You know, Ephesians 2, you know, 8 and 9 are glorious, you know, who you are in Christ. And then it says in verse 10 that we were created for good work. But that kind of good work that I'm created for doesn't feel quite so um, difficult, if that makes sense. Um, and I think it flows out of what you're talking about, this being and doing. Um, you know, one of the things that popped into my head as you were talking was in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul's talking to this church and he's reminding them of the gospel. And he says, I delivered to you what was of first importance. 
and talk to us a little bit about why why is the message of the gospel, why is drawing our vision up to Jesus the most important thing in the middle of a pandemic like this? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a self-care conversation even. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, again, even Paul, right, was there reminding people of what we've been given. And you talked, you you went right there in John 15, that the gift, you know, the joy that Paul had discovered and why it became his essential thing, these things of first importance. The reason it became that is because he had discovered something deeper Kind of the that he had lived an entire life feeling like he was he was hitting all of the marks, mm-hmm. and then he realized because he engaged relationship face to face with the God who created him, the one he was made by and for, he intersected on a road really early at an intersection, had a moment with this God he was made by and for, and it was in the light of that relationship that he understood all these things that he had steeped in, that his religious practice, even some of that was very beautiful and very much in alignment, but it, it, but, but it had to be in under the umbrella of the relationship. And so what Paul brought forward was saying, the thing that is of in first importance is that you would know that you are in relationship with this God who made you for himself. And the way in which that relationship is truly brought to life and sustained, that's of first importance. And so that you would enjoy the grace of God and that you would lay hold of the life of God by faith and that it would actually come to life in you. Mm. This is of first importance. And then you can grow and learn to bear much fruit, but, but you cannot, you cannot, what we say, you have an inward life without first looking upward. You have to know that that which is upward, that which is the, the very life and source of God, is birthed into us. And then from there, it flows out of us. Mm. But that sequence is really, really, really important. And like during, to your point in pandemic, pretty quickly, we don't have anywhere else to look, Right. Everything else has fallen silent. And yeah. so where do we look? We look up and we have to draw our, our source of, he's our source of wisdom, our source of joy, our source of direction right now. And that's really pronounced right now. But I think the gift that gives us is that it recalibrates us, right? Because mm-hmm. before we just go straight to out. We just want to do good things, heal the world, fix the broken, participate in all these things. And we just rush out the driveway. And now we're being told, you can't leave the driveway. You go, well, what am I supposed to do? And then I think that here we get to reconnect back with this, which is of first importance. Mm-hmm. That you know God and that you're, and that you understand how powerfully you are grafted into the vine and how closely that union is, John. The first importance. So that can walk out your driveway. And I think that's why right now is a profound opportunity and invitation to use this time of solitude uh, to turn our eyes back up and to reconnect with the source so that that which flows out of us 
is not just mechanical. Yeah, that's good. So when when I think through that, and as, like, let's say people begin to put their vision up, they begin to uh, look to Jesus for that salvation. Um, you froze a little bit. Did you hear all that? Lost you. Yeah, lost you the part where you said when people begin to put their vision. Okay. And then so when when people begin to draw their vision up, when they begin to slow down, and uh, this pandemic is going to force them to do that, um, as that begins to happen, I've even noticed in my own life over the past week and a half, like there's a restlessness. Um, you talk to me a lot about this idea of there's a season of disruption, then disillusionment. And then comes other things. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, that, that kind of walking through the process that you mentioned. What, what does that look like just for the average person as we, um, everything's been disrupted. But what does it look like to go from disruption to disillusionment to whatever that next step is? Yeah, that's good. Well, I think good job first just giving language to it, right? Because I think that that can we can somehow feel like we have failed in in preserving uh, we didn't do we didn't rescue it we didn't bail out everything you know things are not what they used to be and that's somehow a failure i think first of all just to say like it's okay and what you're talking about this idea that there is there is seasons where we things are a certain way and then there are seasons where that has changed yeah and can't live like it's the 70s in the 90s or you'll be out of step so you have to let go of the 70s and into the 90s and i think that the first thing i want to say is people need to give themselves permission yeah. that okay change is actually god is a god is moving and, and active and we're in, in we're in a life together living relationship with a living god yeah. In a history, in a in a culture that is going to have change, so that's okay. And to get comfortable with the fact that after you know after the summer comes the fall, and then comes the winter. And mm-hmm. I was having a good conversation with my friend and pastor Sean Flannery back in Oregon, and he was drawing from Andy Crouch. Just had this conversation, uh, and saying that we are in a winter. Um, and that this pandemic, people first thought that it was in context of a blizzard. And I think Crouch got this from someone else. But the language of you have blizzards, they last for a night. You have wind, you know, you have a snowstorm that lasts for a season. And then you have winter, mm. which is it's a it's a period of time. Yeah. We need to understand that it's OK for things to be disrupted. By seasons, and so winter is not a bad season. Mm. That's really important for people to understand. The desert is not a bad; it's not a bad thing, you know. And Jesus, in fact, was driven into the wilderness. He he went into the wilderness. Moses went into the wilderness. The wilderness is a really productive season for us. And for anybody who's in agriculture, you understand that it's essential. Mm. You cannot have endless growth. You cannot have endless expansion. You cannot have endless production. There must be times where you come in and things are are quiet. 
and before there's something else. So I think, first of all, giving permission to people that it's okay and that it's safe and that God is with us here. Second, saying that there is not the seasons of disruption, seasons of desert, seasons of discomfort are not things to flee from or avoid. They're valleys to walk through. And, and what God says is, even though you walk through those valleys, I will be with you there. And so our tendency is to avoid them or to see them as like failures. Like, oh, Mitch, you ended up in the valley. You messed up. Something brought you down there. You know, God may have allowed us to travel into a valley. So seeing it as a valuable season in our life, I'd say that's the most important thing. And then realizing that there's a new orientation that comes from it, mm. right? Like what's to come from this yeah. is an invitation. And for us to allow pruning, you use John 15, right? Like you have, you have an organic thing, and now I'm going to prune it yeah. so that it produces much fruit. And there's going to be new things. So in this season, we need to really get comfortable with that pruning and allow for it and invite it in hope of and in, antes- intent- in anticipation for something new. And new is not just a more efficient version of the same. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case. And there's people who are listening tonight, and they're, they're, they're realizing that there's, there's six days of the week we're filled with things that actually produce anxiety, They warred against um, the family dynamic. They didn't actually contribute to efficient and effective, meaningful work. Yeah. And we're going to have an opportunity to re-enter a land where we get to carry some things with us. And I would say right now is a season to say, what should be brought forward? What are the things that I'm going to carry into this new season that's ahead? And what are the things that should be allowed to be completely released? But you mentioned the word disillusionment, and that can come. And I think we just need to be honest about that, that, like, if I've spent the last six years, eight years of my life living in a particular way, and in two weeks a pandemic revealed that that was maybe not even a healthy or essential thing, there can be a sense of real profound grief and disillusionment and looking back with guilt and shame and all that. And we have to be really wise to say, no, those feelings are going to come. So what do we do with those? What do we do with those feelings of what have I done? I've wasted, you know, eight years of my life pursuing these things that in two weeks they were gone and I realized how meaningless they were. I think that we have to just understand that those feelings are going to come and there's an opportunity then to look forward and to not look back in shame and to not ignore grief, but to grieve those things, to be honest about that, and then to lay them down and move into a new season. But but that process of saying change is good, change is real, the desert is, it's a season, it's a productive season. During that season, what's going to happen is we're going to lay down things that we've been carrying that are non-essential. That's going to feel, that's going to hurt in some ways. It's going to cause some disillusionment, some disruption, some fear. 
That's okay. We can, we can name that. We can say that's okay. And we can even set those things down while feeling that yeah. grief and know that it's now time to move into a new season and that those things aren't going to come with us. And everybody listening knows some of those things already that are, are starting to appear that we go, no, that's, that is not to be carried forward. The bravery is going to come when every one of us has a choice to lay that thing down or whether we'll carry it forward. So, yeah, yeah don't have bangs in the 90s, right? <laughs> like people did that for a while, and the people who re-entered the new space, people were like, wait. And then they came back, and you get to have them again. with new. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so helpful. That's really good. And just some new ways to think about what's happening in the world and how God might be using it. So let me shift gears just really briefly with you and uh, kind of close with this. Um, as people are wrestling with that, and I would encourage you if you're watching, um, this will be up on the audio podcast. Like sometimes it's good to listen to these things in different formats um, and just let them process through you, wash over you, because you're going to hear things on the second time that you didn't the first. And so Zach said some really important things for us to consider as a church body and um, just as a human being uh, made in the image of God. And so as people are listening to this and, and processing it, and then they're going to they're gonna be thinking about that now in this process of uh, what God's doing in the world through this pandemic. Um, give us a couple uh, of those do items now. Now that we've, like, looked up, we've thought critically about that. Um, I don't like to think about them as much as spiritual disciplines. I like to think of them as spiritual practices. Um, it makes it feel like something I want to be a part of. Uh, but there is a discipline aspect to it. A, um, you know, as Paul would say, I beat my body into submission, right? Um, uh, I, I can do that once I have a, have an understanding of, of who Jesus is and what has he moves in and begins to transform me. Um, talk to us about some of those spiritual practices um, that might be really helpful that perhaps many of us are, are not used to doing coming out of that norm that is no longer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. I'll go as brief as I can, but I, I think essentially think in terms of habits and practices of adoration. Like there are, we are creatures who, and we're made to adore. We're made to worship. We're made for that. And this is something that's so profoundly important for us as, as creatures because our culture does not understand that there's a transcendent. Like we've, we've grown up in a, in a culture that does not recognize or acknowledge a transcendent relationship. We've already talked about that we are in relationship upwardly. But that, that means something to our habits and practices, right? Yeah. Because if we're a species that's meant to walk upright, but we don't walk upright, we're going to feel it. And so we have to understand we're a species that's made to worship. We're made to express love back to the creator who we're in relationship with. And so I'd say, first and foremost, we need habits and practices of adoration in our life. And habits and practices of adoration can be times of solitude and silence where you are simply meditating on the realities of God. 
And that's not an emptying, but a filling of, I know him and his word. So I, t- I look to his word and I let the word of God put on display the character of God. Yeah. And I, because that is filled in me, then I can love him back. So habits and practices of adoration, scripture reading, worship, and, and worship being expressions of love back to God. I can sing to him. I could write a poem. I could paint a picture. The, the key is I'm intentionally mm. realizing that I'm in relationship with God. And for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a half hour, an hour, two hours of my day, I'm saying, God, this time, this space, I want to give it back to you. Yeah. Habits and practices of adoration. And the essential thing is that the creature is, is, is intentionally putting themselves in a posture of humility before the creator and loving him back. So for me, I like to pray. And this is not religious. You don't have to do this. But I find that when my physicality is in alignment with my theory, it's better for me because yeah. I'm not a, not a dualist creature. I'm an integrated being. So I get down on the floor. I will lay face down and I will just rest there. And I will say, God, you are God. I am not. And I will say, and I will just begin to tell God who I have known him to be that week. Mm-hmm. And I'll thank him for that. And I'll praise him for that. Those are habits of adoration. From habits and practices of adoration, I think it's really important to make sure that we have habits and practices that nurture his life in us. Mm-hmm. Because the gift that you've been referring to in John 15 is that his life is birthed into us. You know, you must be born again. Yeah. So we receive this life of Christ as a seed, and there are practices and habits that nurture that life to maturity. Again, reading the word of God, that is bread of life. We feed, that life of Christ feeds on the very word of God. So it is not just a religious thing to chalk off, well, I read this or I read that, I did my five minutes in the Psalms. That's a fairly disconnected understanding of what's happening. When we understand that I'm feeding, I'm taking in nourishment so that the life of God, his love can mature in my life, his life, he can increase. That's how I discern my habits and practices of nurturing. Does it mature his life in me? Mm. I pray. I study scripture. I confess my sins. I release these things in me that I'm holding on to that are keeping me separate from God. Those are things that I do in my habits and practices of nurture so that his life can increase in me. And so adoration comes first. What are my habits and practices of adoration? What are my habits and practices of transformation? Those things that nurture his life. And then habits and practices of love. How can I create habits and practices in my life where I allow that which God has birthed in me, which is his life, to intentionally pour out of me? You mentioned at the beginning, celebration. That's a beautiful thing. We should have a liturgy of celebration Mm. should be a part of it. And so at our house, celebrating the good meaningfully. We do this at the table. We do this in the morning, but but just making making space for celebration, making space to draw near the broken, 
having having a habit and a practice that says I'm going to slow down and I'm going to create margin in my life so that I can go near if my child is hurting that I don't need to get that's not something I need to get out of my way mm-hmm. that's an opportunity to get into that moment and to allow love to spill into that moment and then habits and practices that allow us to participate with what God is doing in the world these are our acts of service these are our spaces that we feel called to contribute to the shaping of culture, the, the creating of a new orientation, a new creation in the world. So more to say on that, but I, I really say I want habits and practices that are upward, my life of adoration, and, and, and true, not just, oh, yeah, I thought about it. But no, what did I, what habits and practices lead me to adoration? What habits and practices contribute to Transfer. And then what habits and practices are in my life to meaningfully make visible this, the pouring out of God's love through my life? And if I just do little moments throughout my day that are upward and inward and outward, what I find is that those outward ones lead me right back up. And that feedback loop, I think there's something really beautiful about the way that a life is lived like that. And I think it's the way God intended it. He pours in. He fills up, it's poured out, and it stre- it leads us right back to look up for more. Mm, amen. That's so good. You know, I think there's something freeing when you think about all of those things and the cycle that they work through that, you know, God doesn't need my good works. You know, when he on the cross said it is finished, like he meant that. Like it's done. Like the work is done for salvation, and so we can look up to him for that. Uh, but and when I realize that that my good works aren't for him, because he loves me, but they're for my neighbor. Um, now we're on to something, and so that that's that's really helpful. Well, Zach, thank you, thank you for uh, taking a half hour or so and just pouring into those of us at Redeemer City Church and our friends who will watch this online or listen to it later on the podcast. Uh, would you close us in prayer and just pray for uh, the people, pray for the world, uh, just all that's going on, and just uh, shepherd us in that way? Yeah, yeah, I would love to. Thank you. Father, first, thank you that we can address you as our Father. Uh, we, we do that quickly, but not casually, Lord, to say Father. And so we are coming to you now as children who are deeply grateful that we can call you Father. And it's in moments like this, Lord, that we turn to you and we don't know what to do. And so we set our eyes on you. We pray for the world, as Mitch said. We pray, God, that you would uh, be merciful and have mercy, God, on those who are sick and suffering, those who are providing care and are on the front lines and leaving their loved ones every day for the sake of others. We pray that you would give those people strength and courage and protection. We don't pray, as you prayed, God, that they would be out of the world, but that they would be very much in the world, but that you would protect them. God, thank you for your great love of us. And in this moment, we just want to allow and invite you to have your way in our lives, God. Things are very disrupted. I know everybody who's praying along with us uh, feels there's been tremendous change to their life. And 
So tonight, God, we just rest in that and we acknowledge that things are very different. And we pray for wisdom. You say, if we need it, we can ask. We pray, God, would you give us wisdom to see what we should set down, what you are calling us to pick up, and to to not be afraid, Lord, to allow you to have your way. So, Father, would you prune our lives right now? I pray that you would prune away anything that is not uh, going to bear fruit that will be for your glory. Lord, just prune it away. Give us the the rest that we need to allow that process. And Lord, we do pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. We pray that we would exit this place and, and enter a space, Lord, where there is greater joy, a fullness of joy in who you've created us to be. And that we discover a new freedom to allow your life to animate our lives. And that we see more of your glory and the world sees more of your goodness because we've passed through this valley. So, Father, don't allow us to miss it. We don't want to rush through it. And we invite you to do what only you can do through your word and your spirit, for your glory and for the good of the world, for the good of our families. And, God, we want to look more like you. And so we pray that in this process we would discover that you have shaped us and formed us and that there's more of your image and more of your likeness than there was before. We're hungry and thirsty for that righteousness, for that peace. Father, thanks for Mitch. Thank you for Redeemer City. Thank you for the opportunity to learn and to grow together. And we just joyfully celebrate God the gift uh, of life together in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate you. Hey, thank you for creating the space, and okay. here's to more good conversations. I'll listen into the future ones. Absolutely. See you, man. Okay. Hey, see you, everybody.